Hello and welcome everyone to this episode of Witches on the Couch. I am one of your hosts. My name is Nikki and I am a witch. Hi, I'm your other host. My name is Jade. I'm also a witch. So against my better judgment after our last episode of Motherland Fort Salem, we decided to go on to episode three of Motherland Fort Salem. Wow. Wow. Since we've started it, we have to finish it. That's your itinerary on this. Mine is very different. Um, the episode that we will be going into today is, of course, season two, episode three, titled Tiffany. I was very intrigued over this title and mildly disappointed when, like, it was revealed. I agree. What that meant. I agree. <laughs> I would say that is the feeling of this entire episode for me. I was mildly intrigued by a lot of things and then absolutely disappointed by it by the end. Not as bad as episode two. I didn't constantly pause my TV and wonder about what in my life brought me to have to sit through this. Um, but... Progress. <laughs> but I will say uh, episode three was fine i'm yeah. sticking with fine it was fine i think if we were in season one i would call it like a weak season one episode but we're in season two where nothing's great so it's fine oh yay so without further ado shall we hop into this let's do this all right so we start out in this episode back at the White House, oddly enough, with a character that we haven't seen in actually quite a bit, which is President Wade, the president of the United States of America. I was shocked to see her. I was actually really excited to see her. I was like, oh my God, you, we know you. Uh, She's like barely gonna be in this episode though, so it doesn't really matter. But President Wade, uh, the VP, and General Alder, and Petra are all there for a meeting, including the Crones. And what the main gist of the meeting is about is Alder wants to open up witch testing centers and make it so that all females in the United States basically need to be tested for witch powers so that they won't have any other witches fall through the cracks, like what happened with the bell- lost what no, no, no. lost bellwethers of the last season. Uh, President Wade says that this is a very unpopular, bad idea. I agree with her. The VP also states that he doesn't support this idea and that him and the president have already come to the conclusion that they will not be signing off on this proposal today. But that doesn't work out in our democracy's favor as the crones kind of start doing something. And then the President Wade immediately is like, I had no idea, no idea, no idea that anything was this bad. I'll sign off immediately and signs the proposal because we hate Alder. Yeah. I 
I feel like this is actually what's low-key drowning me this season is I still hate Alder. Like, we're supposed to, I thought. I thought that was the gist of season one. And, like, why we got where we're at here. But then, like, we keep framing everything. Like, no, Alder's only doing what she thinks is right and the best thing for her people, and we have to support her. And I'm like, I don't want to. I kind of hate her. And this scene just reminded me how much I hate her. <laughs> I mean, yeah, same old shit, but I wasn't really surprised. Uh, same old Alder, different day. I, I think it's getting on my nerves because there doesn't seem to be any consequences for Alder's actions anymore. Like, season one, it was kind of like we saw the rise of, like, Alder making more and more drastic, worse decisions as things went on. And there were, like, there was pushback along the way, whether it be from President Wade or Petra or, like, uh, the representative of India who was constantly fighting her at the council meetings. There was always, like, a pushback as we saw this tyranny start to rise in Alder. But now we're just like, yeah, you know, Alder's all powerful and tyrannical and she does shit and people are like, yep, that's how she goes and we're going to keep doing it because like we're in season two and we don't know what else to do. And I'm just like, remember when there were consequences for people's actions in these shows? Those were good times. Those barely even happened. I had fun. But that is our opening scene before we go into our nice little opening intro. Still beautiful, still great, possibly the highlight of the show. And then we cut back into the episode with our main trio, who Rael and Abigail are both soaking wet, as apparently Abigail kind of did a reactionary moment and accidentally kind of summoned a little rain cloud over them. And it was an accident, but now rail's kind of sad because she's all wet and she doesn't want to be because she has to go and change now this is actually a really cute little scene whenever we get the trio together I'm, I'm pretty happy so that was pretty cute and then tally kind of talks about how she's sad that they don't really have classes together anymore now that they're all kind of on separate tracks and so we don't get to see they don't get to see as much of each other as they'd like and Rael says that she's been pretty nervous about her class performances. She's not doing really well in mother tongue. And she feels like most of the other classes she's suffering in, possibly because she's always off being like tested on like a lab rat. But I digress. So they just kind of have this nice little moment. And then Rael and Abigail kind of start friendly fighting again. And Abigail says that Rael needs to be quiet or she's going to summon another rain cloud and sploosh her again. It was pretty cute. It was. I love Abigail. This is pretty cute. We cut away from this cute little scene to introduce a new character. We have so many new characters. My God. Uh, I hate this character. Yeah. Put that out there right now. So this is the matriarch. The imperatrix. But everyone calls her matriarch. She says it once and then everybody refers to her as anyhow. Well, because uh, Tally tries to refer to her as ma'am and she says matriarch. 
that's why I assumed that's what we're calling her. So I called her in my notes. So her main shtick is that she is like the knower and tracker and observer of all which bloodlines and lineages. And it's kind of her job to help facilitate good matches within witch families so that they can breed other strong witches. Lovely. It's real gross. It's real gross. Every single time she shows up, it's real gross. Yeah. We get this idea that she uh, she kind of goes down the lines. She's intrigued by Tally because Tally is the end of her line, but doesn't really, like, isn't that powerful of a line. She's very excited. Rail, um, not Rail, excuse me. Abigail is there because she's a bellwether. She's the last of the bellwethers. And, you know, the bellwether line is fucking everything. And she calls Rael something that's outcrossed. She is an outcross. She is that's an outcross. That's a genetics term. Uh, not of the blood, basically. She totally means it like it's a slur. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's not... Like, if, if you've taken biology, had any basic genetics... Uh, Mendel's P-Pod experiments are huge. Pod squares. Um, so if you want to just think of that, it's not like you take something in this square and you take something from this other square way over here, breed it, and that's what we get. But it's, yeah, it's a bad thing in this this case. Oh, it's 100% a slur. It's kind of like, it made me think of uh, Mudblood from Harry Potter. I was like, it's right along there. And, of course, Rael doesn't understand this is a slur as it occurs. So the matriarch keeps walking away. And Abigail, like, turns to her and is like, yo, you just got insulted. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, hey, that wasn't cool. Just so you know, that was, like, at your expense. Thanks. And it's basically because uh, Rael's mom didn't mate within the witch lineages and went out and had a child with this guy who's Rael's father and that's not good that's not kosher that's a no-no apparently he was just a regular civilian not related to any witch line this (sighs) gave me such like bad whatever we're gonna keep going on because we're gonna come back to the matriarch quite a lot um but i i i thought this concept was really interesting and i kind of wish we'd spent more time with it because i was like another villain this could be fun but she's just like kind of scattered in seams to make you uncomfortable yeah (laughs) that's a great way to put it and then disappears from the episode again. And I was like, I don't, I don't like this. Like this just, she shows up and I cringe and then she leaves and I'm like, but when's she coming back? Like, <laughs> yeah, it was a whole thing. But the matriarch is also here to announce the matrimonial season has begun. Which Ooh. means, <laughs> yay. It sounded very Bridgerton to me at first. I was like, ooh, and then I was like, oh. (laughs) 
Uh, and to start off the season, they're going to have like a little mixer reception uh, that evening or the following day. The timeline's kind of iffy in this episode. The next night. The next night. Fantastic. Where all the women should uh, mingle with the men to discover and get thoughts of at least a few of them that they would like to be handfasted with. Because that's what the season is. And yeah, that's that's about it for that scene. It's uncomfortable. And as we cut away from that, we then have this actually really cool scene of like this board that shows like threaded lines of basically family trees that the matriarch has brought with her so she can stand in front of it and contemplate her life choices for these people. Well, apparently this is her office, her legitimate office. And this board is titled, Which Families of America? There's all sorts of beautiful ribbons to trace the lines. And it's crazy. It's a, it's a little a little insane. Uh, Alder is in the room with her this time. And basically, they're just kind of having a back and forth about the season and if this is something you should be worrying about right now because we have so many other things going on and then as alder tries to challenge the matriarch the matriarch just gets right in her face and is like i don't report to you you remember that i'm here to do a job don't step on me and alder backs down it was kind of fun to see i'm not gonna lie yeah um several things that First, I want to say something that really got me as just red flag galore in this scene. Uh, The Imperatrix matriarch is basically whining that so many outcrossed lines have been popping up. Um, Nothing beats the power of purity is one line she says. And that made me super uncomfortable. I was about to get back to that at the end of this because, yeah, yeah, that was, like... And that's when, yeah, Alder's like, well, it's your fault. Your office's fault for not following the lines properly. Oh, But then, yeah, I really liked when they had that snip together. Yeah, they they have this nice little altercation I kind of liked because they both suck. So I kind of like them just hating each other because, like, I feel good at the end of it no matter what. But, yeah, that whole purity line thing um gave me some death eater slash uh third reich vibes yeah yeah for show <laughs> i'm not try i'm i'm not trying to call like nazi on this because i'm trying not to use that word and that's why i went third reich but this is some uh some major I'm pretty sure when I was watching this, I paused it. I remember pausing it after that line, but I'm pretty sure I said to myself, I believe we had a war proving that's a bad thing. <laughs> I remember I had like some really good quip like that, and I was super bummed that I was all by myself. At first, honestly, when we introduced this character, where she's like, I'm the keeper of knowledge of all the bloodlines. I, I kind of was like, okay, that makes sense because it seems like also witches are kind of like a minority population. And I was like, it makes sense that someone's like tracking 
everyone's family lineage, not only for prosperity, but like, so inbreeding doesn't randomly occur because like, that's not a good thing. I was like, okay, that's, that's really clever. Cause that way if like, you know, people are like starting to court or date or what have you, you can be like, oh, they're your third cousin. Maybe not. But then it went this route and I was like, oh, I was just trying to look out for like birth defects and incest. I, di- I didn't see this one coming. Like, yeah, so that's the matriarch and that's Alder. Ooh. There, we put them in a room together and it sucked. Uh, Alder and then leaves the room with Petra, who I guess was like hanging out in the background during the scene. I just forgot to say that. Uh, but they kind of just start chatting about business and everything. Alder says that she doesn't like it, that the matriarch's here and that this is the danger when you have like no one to report to is that she's just too full of herself. And Petra kind of gives Alder a once over and is like, oh, well, you're really good at keeping your control over people, aren't you? And just kind of like walks away with that line. So Petra still definitely knows that Alder is controlling the president. Unfortunately, last time we tried to do something about that, we failed. (laughs) But the intent was great. And Petra, I'm still on your side. Please save the day. We can only hope. Uh we don't we don't get enough Petra this season yet. We've gotten like little glimpses of her to get me excited and then she disappears once more and I'm like, ah, oh, remember season one when she was just like in the scenes? Oh, those were good days. Yeah, but I really like it when she does show up because she's like a whole new woman and it's beautiful. I'm she definitely had like an arc in season one because you know she was very full of herself, kind of power hungry, kept everything strict, close to the vest. I am a witch in the military. You will follow what I say to do, woman. And then like everything was taken from her or at least threatened to be. And then she kind of saw what her priorities really were in her life. And it like ended up being Abigail. And so now we're all like really sweet with her. Yeah, I love Petra. I didn't I didn't see that one coming, but I was like, wow, what a great character Petra has turned out to be. And I love to see her. Agreed. Uh, cuts over, though. Rael is singing seeds at the mycelium. Sassing off doesn't have... I think she says some quip about it just being a shroom. And Isadora's like, it's not. Show I mean, some respect. To be fair, just a- in my notes, I do call it the fungus wall. So I understand where Rail is coming from. <laughs> in my notes, I literally just call it shrew. <laughs> so we're also as disrespectful as Rail is. Yes. yes. Um, it's Rail keeps calling it an it. She goes, I, I don't know what it wants, what I should do with it. And that's the necro is like it's a she and i was like oh show some respect she yeah she's ancient and powerful okay we're pronouning the shrooms now well turns out it's got a lot of personality we're about to see 
Uh, Isadora calls it a night, leaves. Shroom shows Rael memory of when Scylla sang a certain seed sound and made a deathcap mushroom suddenly grow. So Rael sings that same seed. Creepy ass tendrils come out from the wall. Wrap around Rael's hands and throat and go down her mouth. Which was super fucking creepy. Um, as the tendrils are getting closer, Rael tries to shout and scream for Isadora. Nobody comes. They get down her. She's like gagging, choking. It's horrific. Isadora comes in right at the right time, though, I guess, before it gets too far. Searches a desk very frantically, finds a box, open it, and then it's a disruptive sound that makes the tendrils whip back to the wall. Oh, sorry. The thing that causes Isadora to go back, though, is the fact that, like, the whole underground compound is shaking with the force of the shroom. She's already back in her office, notices the shaking, drops her coffee, and zips on back. Save the day. Yeah. Rails Rails really been put through the ringer these last few episodes. I don't think there's been an episode where it's just like, then Rail said screw it and took a bubble bath. Like it's always it's always a really rough time for her. It really is, unfortunately. Like, remember in season one where we had that episode where the whole goal was just to go to a fair in town and eat some pizza? Simpler times. <laughs> what a time they had. That was back when we still had the A writing team. Then we only had the B writing team. <laughs> <clears throat> the drunk writing team. I'm not going to make more disparaging comments because I'm going to get out of line with those real quick. Um... <laughs> The Imperatrix, Matriarch, whatever she calls herself, goes by, uh, meets with Abigail. Very proud of her work with Abigail's line. You know, they have, or Abigail shows all the hallmark traits of the Bellwether line, which is also just like a weird, like she's not a science experiment. She's a person, but okay. It gave me major, like, um, dog breeding vibes, where it's, like, you try to, like, breed dogs to act a certain way, and that's why it's, like, we have these incorrect assumptions, though, that, like, Rottweilers are bred to be aggressive, same with pit bulls, but if you have a small dog, like a terrier, it's bred to be sweet and docile. I've been bitten by my dog in my life, and it was a Chihuahua terrier, that little bitch. And so, like, all this is super false information, but it seems like information that uh, the matriarch has led her life on, is my point. Is, like, genetics will then breed a certain personality. Anywho. There's clips I want to add about the dogs, but it's not going to go anywhere, so never mind. (laughs) No, Um, please add them. I'm very curious. There is a mild truth to it because basically all of them were not all of them, all of them, because like pugs were not fucking bred for anything besides just sitting on a lap. But um, a bunch of them were bred to help with like animal hunting and stuff like that. 
like terriers were typically can go in the tunnels, flush out everything. So terriers are naturally just fucking crazy. Um, but that was right into the like pit bulls were shit, they were on the ships where I don't think they were for the actual bulls. They might have been. <laughs> There's a couple that were bred for the bears. Things like that. I mean, yeah, like all domesticated animals but. were really kind of bred for a reason of some form, whether it be like a job, companionship, food, work, what have you. And my point is just being like, we then society wise have like given these things where it's like, oh, this like more scary looking dog is then obviously much more aggressive because it was bred to track down these animals. While, like, wiener dogs, we don't look at as aggressive, even though they were also bred to track down animals. And it's just, like, one of those weird society perceptions. So, yeah, like, instincts and everything in animals is, like, not a debate. But I was just saying that that just kind of seems like what the matriarch is saying, where she's like, I bred you to be the perfect Labrador. Like, go retrieve for me now. And it's just, it's... It was weird. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. Yes. But yeah, Abigail also recognizes this. I am more than just traits. See me as a person. Uh, Imperatrix says the skills that she breeds, basically, uh, let us win battles. Our skills let us win battles, but breeding lets us win wars. And that light also fucking creeped me out. Very Third Reich. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And then also I kept thinking of just like all the European rulers who basically yes. said this. And then they inbred themselves so much that they just ruined the world for a while. I um, mean, that's, uh, that's why like all of Europe was basically ruled by like one family because they were all just marrying their cousins and siblings. Yeah. And then, yeah. you know, their blood wouldn't clot, but that's that's their own problem. So I was just about to say, like, <laughs> I love the hemophiliac mutation coming into the scene because that was just the perfect marker to very easily track oh gosh, you all are disgusting. Yeah, this is a little vile. I mean, that's that's literally what I thought her job was to prevent. And then the more she talks, the more I'm like, you seem very down for this. In a very discouraging way. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so yeah. Uh, breeding lets us win wars. We are stronger over time for it. She wants Abigail to fast with Gregorio Shellbart. Who was, as we recall, Abigail's cavalier that um, yeah, Liba, love Liba, Liba, yeah, so could not remember her fucking name. I had to look up a lot of names in this episode. Gregorio was among them, where I was like, "Oh, that that guy, totally," and then I looked him up. <laughs> oh, I got him thankfully. 
Imperatrix tells Abigail she can't have Adele, so just get that out of her mind right now. And she's on an accelerated time schedule, which means she's going to be fasted by the end of the year. So I've been trying to figure out, like, the timeline between, well, basically where in the year we are now. From all I could figure out is, like, I think it's, like, September or something like that. I I think so, too, because, like, the whole first season was supposed to roughly be a year because they, like, graduated. So they did, like, their whole first year of basic. And then I assume like a month or so happened for the missions that ended it and now we're like back into the new semester so yeah it's like august or september about for the american schedule so very soon is the point there i was also really surprised that like everyone's like nah not a deal just because a lot of the first season was like how powerful and mystical these people are and how badly we want them on our side and their secrets and like you know if we go into like creepy royal bloodlines of the medieval age the best way to do that is just to marry into that family and get that info and have a kid so I was like oh like they're all gonna be like cool marry this guy and give us an offspring and then we'll like figure out all their family secrets and they're like no not him though I know that was a plot of the first season but not him I was like why not cutting on over trio Abigail Rail Tally eating Rail had obviously just told them about her experience yes everything tastes weird because of the shroom but she got a clean bill of health so whatever moving on Abigail's just overall very sour about the whole hand fasting situation. And obviously, like it's not mentioned, but it's obviously she she feels really bad still that she's not part of the major awesome weapon like Rael is. She's just back to being well, now as she sees it, as we will eventually also reveal, she feels like a broodmare reading stock yeah and she she does outright kind of say it at the table where she's like yeah you know you're like now the secret military weapon and tally has these weird visions in connection to general alder and i can't even like choose the father of my child i was like oh that's 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 really uh, rough Uh, cuts over though. Tally is going to tutor Penelope, so she's all super good by the time her basic starts. Also, in my notes, as the vice president's daughter, because I did not know her name nor did I care enough to look that one up. <laughs> You're the worst. You're just gonna have to have a sticky note of all these names and just prefer to just keep that forever this whole season. There are too many characters in this episode. Kind of. Yeah. (laughs) But still. Uh, Penelope still can't get it. She's getting real frustrated. No seeds. Tally tells her they have a discussion. 
I didn't really care about it. So I didn't really write it down. But basically, bottom line, moves on to Tally, tells her to find the seed in the church song, because we obviously know that worked for you. Uh, Penelope doesn't want to do it, because it boils down to... I don't like how my dad was afraid of me by the end of that song. Joy and admiration at the beginning and then like fear at the end. She's got bad memories. Which is understandable. Tally commiserates. Talks about her dispensation and how she just wanted to serve and be part of something bigger than herself. But Penelope tries the song, finds the note, it works breakthrough very exciting yeah my notes on this were also pretty dull it was literally like bp's daughter can't sing at the opening ceremonies of these test centers oh no they bond over their parents being scared of them slash the military and not understanding them yay turns out she does it that's that's seriously yeah I I was so I'm so not invested in this character in the slightest. Like we literally could have cut her out of this entire episode, nay, this entire season, and I would have been fine. Would have been fine. We could have just been like opened with her and been like, yeah. Now the vice president stars in the military and she's in basic just like everyone else. And we're not going to really show her again because she's not a main character, but we know she's out there and it's like a meta. It's not metaphorical. Well, it still kind of is, but you know, it's like an absent in the world happening thing that we can reference, but she didn't need to have this many scenes. And they like to do that a lot with characters. So yeah, yeah. I know I've noticed it a lot this season. Speaking of, we cut to Scylla, Anacostia, Shane, and Bonnie. I also had to look up those names. Yeah. Uh they were Lady and Dude in my notes before finally, like several scenes later, they were named as Bonnie and Shane. And I was like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I definitely wrote down their names in my notes like from a couple weeks ago and then I threw those notes away when I was cleaning my apartment. So that was Same. lost. Same. <laughs> they're not said. Ever. Yeah, we don't like Until like near them. the end of the episode, it felt like. Yeah, I had to look them up online. I literally just had to pause the whole episode and just deep dive on the internet to be like, who the fuck are these characters? Like... There are too many characters in this episode. So, Scylla and Acacia, Shane and Bonnie. Shane and Bonnie are the rally couple that Anacostia and Scylla have decided to try to infiltrate this, infiltrate basically the organization with um, of the Camarillo. Camarillo. And they have, like, basically met at all these uh, vigils. They're they're basically just a metaphor for, like, an alt-right couple. So they're watching the news, and it's a playback of... I don't know why they're still covering this. I feel like it's been weeks. But it's a playback of uh, the vice president's daughter 
like again melting the glass in the church and they're like oh the poor vice president can you imagine the horror of his family i couldn't even deal and i was like okay so cool they're all just still shitty um Shane is just kind of a jerk again while Scylla and Bonnie are kind of quiet and is like, yeah, that's, you know, they're everywhere. They're out to get us and ruin our families and our churches. And these are what makes me an American man. I hate Shane. I'm just like, okay, cool. You know what? Let's have you and Alder kill each other or one another. I don't care. I don't like having you in these episodes. It makes me sad. Uh, as they talk about this, Bonnie says that she can wholly relate as she just had to tell their daughter that she can't play with Tiffany anymore because Tiffany was discovered to be a witch. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah. I like Bonnie's line. I don't know what we do if we wound up with a Tiffany. Oh. That's This could have been better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, this feels very familiar for, like, a lot of real-life situations, to be honest. Yeah. This is scary, but... I mean, this is all... This reminds me a lot of... Um, I bring it up a lot, but, you know, I'll bring it up again. This reminds me a lot of X-Men. And this is, like, portrayed a constantly in, like, every X-Men movie, show, cartoon, where it's, like, the all-American white family, what would I do if my child ended up a mutant? I just couldn't handle it. And, like, it's literally in the second X-Men movie with Bobby's family. It's in the animated series with Jubilee. It's in Evolution with Rogue. Like, it is a constant trope of that, I guess, story. So I'm very accustomed to this scene. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, it's it's cool. It's like they're mutants. And that being said, you know, X-Men and mutants are all an allegory for others of the world, whether you be LGBTQ, a person of color, a religious minority, so or so. Um, so I get what the scene is trying to do. Unfortunately, I've seen this scene like 10,000 times. And I'm kind of over it. You can make it a little more interesting. Like, give me, give me something else to play off of here. Like, I get it. Shane sucks. I get it. Bonnie's, like, a little submissive, but also kind of sucks. Like, cool. And if that wasn't enough, and if we didn't have enough characters, here comes in our next one, Jack. That's five named characters in this, like, 40-second scene. So uh, there's a knock on the door. A man named Jack walks in and goes off into the other room with Shane. And Akatsuya is like, hey, don't I know him from somewhere? He was at the bar, right? And Bonnie says, yeah, Jack was, like, one of the original leaders of the rallies and, you know, really getting people to have attention on this very important matter. So now we have Jack. That's that's about all we have to know about him. He's basically, from what we know so far, the same character as Shane. And I mean that in all the offense humanly possible. 
Scylla and Anacostia then eventually leave the house and end up just doing like an in-car stakeout on the house to follow Jack once he leaves. They bicker a bit in the car. Scylla says that Anacostia is too direct and showing her hand too much to Bonnie and shouldn't have called out that she recognized Jack. Anacostia said that Scylla is just being overly critical and isn't used to working with a partner, but they're stuck on this together, so they're going to have to work through this, so sucks to suck. That's that's just kind of the whole scene. Pretty much. Uh, the cut back to Fort Salem, where the matriarch is now having a meeting with Tally and Rael. She says that she doesn't really know what to do with Tally or Rael. Tally's intriguing because she's like the last of her lineage and, you know, now has like at least a good standing in Fort Salem. So she can try to like mate her with someone good now. And Tally's like, all right, sounds great. And Rael is not having the same feelings on this as immediately the matriarch again uses a slur on her (laughs) it's like even for you an outcross i could probably try to make something work oh god it's matriarch to which rail says that she is not interested in getting hand fastened she's not interested in having a child and she's not interested in men in general oh so why the fuck is she here i love (laughs) rail And then the most disgusting line in the entire episode came next. Oh, you want to say it? I don't think I wrote it down. Oh. Because I was probably too, like, I was probably too huddled in my chair. I literally wrote, I wrote down the line and then put a frowny face and in all capital letters, ick. Uh, The Imperatrix replies, well, you're still required to fulfill your obligations. Um, yeah, I was huddled in my chair. <laughs> Jesus H. Christ. Yeah. What the? Um, yeah, thoroughly disgusted. That sounded like super medieval trying to breathe the line. Yep. <laughs> Rape marriage. Oh, oh yeah, oh. we're we're, go- we're going right back to uh like Marie Antoinette in this. It's it's a rough go. Uh, I mm, I I don't I don't like this. Like, and like okay, this is this is what I mean by I was like this episode kind of had the potential to be good. I don't like this, but I'm interested in this storyline enough, and like you know, like fighting this season and fighting the matriarch. That I'm sad we like watered it down with all these other subplots where I was like, this could have been so interesting because I do hate the matriarch and it's fun to have a villain you hate. And I do love to see like Riel and Abigail, like, you know, like fight for their like rights in this. And like, I'm all for that. I want to see that plot, but I feel like it just kind of got lost in the episode and it made me sad. But anyway, uh, as Rail goes to leave, the matriarch says something in mother tongue, 
to which Raelle just turns and shoots back like five lines of insults. I did not write them all down because it was long and subtitled. Yeah, me but basically at the end, she says, don't cross me, sea hag. And in like perfect mother tongue, says this all and walks out. So when near the beginning of the episode, we had specifically put on the line, I'm failing mother tongue class because yeah. I just don't get it. So yeah it turns out something's uh going on with rail on that but at the same time way to go rail thank you we cut from the scene to it looks like a hand-to-hand combat training class where yeah yeah um abigail is uh fighting fighting air quotes gregorio and they're just like flirting to use like batons and other hand-to-hand weapons and Gregorio's like, it seems like you're, like, really mad at me. I don't know why. And she's just, like, pissed and goes at him. And she says she's not mad at him. She's mad at just, like, what he is and what this means for her. And she just kind of kicks his ass, basically, for a little bit. She has a lot that she's working through. Uh, we go down the line, and Tally is doing her combat fighting against M. Who I was so happy to see again because I don't have Graves. I now have M. Uh, I also, when I was trying to look up all the names of everyone in this goddamn episode, so Shane, Bonnie, and Jack, I ran across M online and it says that they're non-binary. So I think we mispronounced them in our last episode because it seems like from the article that they use they, them. So I'm going to be using that for for M for now on because I just discovered that and that's what I'm maybe going with. So Tally's fighting M and they easily beat Tally because <laughs> Tally's not a combat, which let's be real, M is, Tally is not. And as Tally kind of steps away, she looks down at her knife and it is completely covered in blood. And she kind of starts hyperventilating and staring at it from back and forth. And M comes up and is like, oh, did I accidentally hit you? I didn't think I got you that hard. And then Tally just kind of starts panicking and takes the knife from her and says that there's nothing on it. It's a clean blade. So Tally's now hallucinating blood. Well, it's a different type of knife. Like it's originally like a like a legit knife i don't know what kind of knife i'm sorry but like a intense combat knife and then it switches over to a bloody like machete mm-hmm. so definitely freaky Poor and Tally. this is also sadly the only time we see em in this episode and i was like no come back it was good to see them though it was so good to see them oh my god i love them so much and i'm like so hardcore hoping for a love story between them and Rael. Like, that's all I want is Rael to have, like, this happy little relationship with them. And they're, like, never in the same room together anymore. And I'm really sad. People don't always have to be in relationships, Nikki. I, dude, I'm constantly single. But I... <laughs> <laughs> let me have this. <laughs> this is not what I was getting at. But all right. All right. Moving on. Alder and Isadora are with the shroom. I don't know what to call it, honestly, because like they give it like a, they put it on a pedestal, but they don't ever give it a fucking name. The mycelium. So, 
yeah, I don't want to say the mycelium the whole dang time. I'm lazy. Sorry. Shroom it is. Oh, shroom. <laughs> um, Rael will join them. Turns out Rael now makes sounds that sound like a thousand voices layered on top of each other. In the test, Rael finds it very discordant, but Alder is like very pleased with it. So they scan her vocal cords. Talk about all different little changes, but basically Shroom has colonized her larynx. It's rearranged things, so now she is super powerful with her seed notes. At Alder's persuasion, Rael does end up seeding, singing that one seed sound that makes the shroom grow. Holds it as long as she can as the tendrils come out, and then they end up launching at the wall sideways, shattering it. And then sending cracks all the way through to the other side of the room. And this is like foot-thick concrete. So very impressive. And it turns out there's more shroom on the other side of that broken wall. It's massive. I was actually really confused by that. Why why like Rael was like oh my god, it's massive, and everyone else seemed shocked by this too, and I was like, isn't this, like, the Necro had said that, like, she's made the mycelium her life's work, like, did she never once be like, hey, I wonder what's on the other side of that wall? Like, <laughs> I was really confused why that was, like, a shock to everyone. I was like, okay. Right, well, she did, I think, admit, like, I've been studying it for ever but I still have so much to learn. But I assume, like, honestly, I kind of got the feeling that, like, this wall, this room that they're in, it's just, like, a little offshoot of, like, there's no other rooms connected to it. So once she's breaking the wall, it's just the dirt that it's all sunk into. Oh, I thought it looked like another, like, empty room. like Kind of, but yeah. then I was like, yeah, how would they not know? Yeah. So then I was like, okay, well, it must just be a singular room. But I don't know. I yeah, don't know. I was I was really confused by this scene where I was like, why is this like a shock to everyone? I was like, okay, I assumed it wasn't like this little five by five foot we're animating. Like, moving on. <laughs> yes. So Trio's back in the room. Rael's not going to the reception because she gets to do a weapons test for Alder and others. Abigail's not happy about the reception either because this is when she especially makes it known she's very against hand fasting and the tradition now and just being a broodmare. Being bred out, yep. Yeah. 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 Rael actually, though, is very, very, not pro the breeding, but pro the party. Yeah, Rael's more or less just like, you're totally right, this is fucked up, but go and have some drinks, hang out with Tally. Like, enjoy the pretty boys. Yeah. It'll be fine. Just enjoy yourself. Yeah, I think she's more or less just like, you still need a night out, like, we've been stressed, have a few drinks on me 
hang out with our bestie here, have a good time. Like, yeah. yes. I really liked Rail on this. I was like, you know what? That is good advice. Like, there's no reason to just like sit in and like be like sad about your circumstances. At least go try to have like fun with your friends, have a few drinks. Like, cool, cool. Exactly. Well, when we cut over to Quarterman and Scylla, they're tailing Jack. This is the fourth school he's been to today. So the disguises herself, goes in. Uh, there's a sound that kind of hurts the ears as she's walking throughout. Jack is testing kids to see if they can hear that sound. Well, as he's performing the test with like the school nurse on one of the kids in the little office, um, it disrupts Scylla's disguise. So it melts away. Scylla looks a little pained. It's a little crazy. I do remember being a kid in elementary school and having to go for hearing tests in like random times during the school year where it was like, yeah, we're all going to get into this like this van and we're going to put on these giant headphones. You're going to click this button every time you hear the tone. I'm like, what a weird event we all got put through. <laughs> that was like, That's what I was thinking about, too, because it's like the exact same headphones. Yeah, they had a specific type of headphone. Um, and I've had to do one of those tests as an adult for other stuff that is just it's I've never been tested again in my life for my hearing and I feel like I've more been tested as an adult for my eyes like you know then you like reach a point in adulthood where they're just like all right we're assuming she can hear now we're really concerned she can't see anything that wasn't really our worry when she was young but now it is I don't know. It just, it gave me like some major flashbacks to like the second grade where I was like, oh, right. That was a thing. Wow. Did we got tested or at least I got tested again? Like, yeah, pretty much every school I went to. Uh, I remember doing it in high school. What? We got tested in high school? I got tested in high school. I think it was, um, I just One of my AP classes. Out. Thought it was history, but maybe not. Because you were in. I wasn't in. A- I was in AP history one year, and then I left it. I was thought it was that year. Maybe it was English. I don't know. I remember being in the that loop at Eldo. Oh yeah, you're right. Wow. I guess just in middle school they didn't test us, but I went to that like shitty middle school, so. They were like, you know, she didn't. They're like, you know, she didn't get pregnant, and she's not dead. What else do you want from me? (laughs) Yay! We did great with her. Don't you worry. Well, yeah. Just side note: the only reason I got tested as an adult was because I thought I was having like ridiculous sinus infections. It turns out it was I was having jaw issues, Mm. but to see the ear, nose, throat, they made me do the hearing test double check things so that makes sense yeah so one ear hears low tones and the other ear hears high tones just fun fact for you so we'll see which one goes out first for which i can hear oh that will be fun i'm i'm excited to be on this adventure yeah 
Yeah, I, I did like this scene. Like, I thought it was fun. We actually had some tension where it was like, oh, no, like, Scylla's go-to disguise doesn't work. And, again, the hearing test thing, which just gave me some flashbacks to my own life where I was like, oh, that's genius. Brilliant. I really liked this. This was cool. This is, I will compliment the show on this one. This was well done. Congratulations. I do also like that because Scylla's like, I'm going to go in after him. And Anacostia is like, he knows what we both look like. And she's like, ah, I got this. And she's like, pulls out her lighter. So we're like, ah, cool. But then her disguise is like this like 50 to 60 year old woman. And as she's just like walking through the school, multiple children walk past her, not a shit given. And I was like, yep, that's, that's right. Like legitimately older women in a school, every child feels safe. It's, it's the random men that walk around school that you're like, why? How'd they get here? <laughs> Who are they? What do they mean? Random older woman, you're just like, oh, they seem nice. Okay. I don't know. I didn't have those worries. I didn't give a shit. I went to a shitty middle school. <laughs> I was a cop's daughter, so, like, the world could suck it. It was kind of my attitude. Yeah, I noticed that at <laughs> high school. Um, all that aside, I just thought that was cool. I was like, oh, that's clever. And this is smart. Like, it's been a while since we've seen the lighter come out. So this was fun. Yeah, so sound washed away Silla's disguise. Jack leaves, goes right past her. Thankfully, doesn't look over. Cut over to Abigail is in their, like, history museum on base. Staring at this picture. Adil comes in. Um, it's one of Abigail's ancestors. Her name is Jem. Jem stopped a battle dead with a brand new working that no witch has ever been able to recreate since. Of course, the journals describing it all have been locked up since before Abigail's grandmother's time. So, that's helpful. Um... Adil tells her it's okay to be defined by, you know, our elders and our traditions, because Abigail is very sour that Jem's a glorious golden one. And they're all in her shadow, basically. Abigail comes back with, it's your traditions that caused your tribe to lay down and die. So, basically, fuck off. Uh, Adil Stan says ground for at least a little while. Uh, they were ambushed and murdered. You of all people should know how the Camry operate. She does. And that's why she knows that tradition isn't the way to fight. Making babies and waiting for the hand fasting is just... Or, I'm sorry. Making babies and waiting for hand-to-hand -hand combat opportunities. That's what she actually said. It's not the way. It's time for another bellwether to make it working to end the war. Dill gives her a look and just walks out. He's had enough of her shit. Yeah, I felt bad for Adil in this scene because he comes in all like sweet and can kind of tell that she's like out of sorts. So it's trying to like, you know, comfort her and make some like light talk when she definitely lashes out about his tribe's murder. I think he recognizes that and that's why he kind of separates and is like, okay, you're going through something. I'm not helping. 
I don't deserve this. We're just gonna leave this here. And I was like, oh, Adil. And I also think he doesn't know about like the matriarch and everything. So he's so in the dark. And I'm like, my baby boy, no. I think you're exactly correct, which is kind of more of a bummer. I know. And we love Adil. He's also great. Like not enough of him in this episode either. It's my other critique. So speaking of critiques, let's do this get it over with oh my god this was arguably the most frustrating part of this episode and i will call it the rapid fire of scenes so we cut from this kind of sad kind of nice scene to rail in a back of a truck with alder and rail's playing with the war charm that's on her necklace alder recognizes it says she hasn't seen a war charm like that in a while Rael says that it belonged to her mom. She left it to me. Alder says, yeah, well, we all still have our superstitions. Cut from that scene. Um, We're now out front of a building with Tally. Abigail runs up. Tally's in her dress blues. Abigail isn't. Abigail says she's not going to the mixer because she has some other stuff she needs to work on. Tally says that she doesn't want to go by herself. Abigail says she's sorry, but she's busy with something else and don't tell anyone what it is. And Tally says she doesn't even know what it is. And then she watches as Abigail runs away and we cut from that scene. Cut back to Raelle, who is now outside of the truck at the test site. Um, She's still talking to Alder and asks if anyone else has ever been able to do what she can do. Alder kind of hymns and haws for a little bit and says she's seen many a powerful witch, but nothing like this, so apparently not. Also, apparently Petra's here, because she comes along from the other side of the truck and is, like, kind of sweet and says that they're all ready for them and touches Rail's shoulder. So that was nice. And then we cut from that scene. Back to Anacostia and Scylla, who are still trailing Jack. Uh, they're now parked in like this loading, unloading docking zone of a parking lot. Um, they're talking about the sound test and that they've been probably operating it for a while. That's how they were able to find the lost bellwethers and murder them in the past season. And if the Camarilla knows so much about their vocal cords, it stems to reason they also know just as much about how their ears work. So this has probably been operating for a while and highly dangerous. Scylla wants to keep trailing Jack, so she transforms once again into the older woman and goes around to check out Jack's car. Jack's not in it. Jack comes out fucking nowhere, attacks Scylla. The disguise charm once again breaks, but this time Anacostia comes out fucking nowhere with, like, a taser baton. Friggin' tases the shit out of Jack, says a threatening comment about how they're the ones that he's been fighting or feared this whole time. Jack falls to the ground, Scylla's fine, Anacostia is fine. We cut from this scene. We're now back to the mixer. This time we're inside. We start with the matriarch who is looking over her reception all proud, like the crazy little creepy woman she is, as the men and women are just kind of mingling about with drinks. Tally is standing alone in the middle of the room when Gregorio comes up to her with a drink and says that he will help her. And that they can mingle together and he will help her find a man whose name is worthy of her own. 
cut away from that scene. This was exhausting. Yeah, yeah. Rapid fire. You did well. You did real well. The rapid fire drove me crazy. Because we've often said in the show how they just cut from scene to scene super fast. This was one of the few times where I was like, this can't be the plan. This couldn't have been how they wanted to edit this episode. So after finishing said episode, I went back to this rapid fire and decided to do a little bit of math. This rapid fire, all those scenes I just talked about, takes place in four minutes of show runtime. That's four minutes of content where we have five breakaways, two separate scenes. I actually did cut down how like long each scene is. The longest scene is the Anacostia Scylla one, but no other scene is over 50 seconds. Whose brilliant idea was this? This is like, you just settle in for a character who says like five words. They're like, get out of here. (laughs) Oh my God, it was horrific. Quite, quite. That's all I had. The only thing I can think of is they're trying to keep it entertaining because it's been a little blocky this episode, but I think it just fucks it all up because there's like no extra suspense. It's just dumb. It was also like super weird that we even split like the rail alder scene by like two other scene, three other scenes because it's literally like we're in a truck. This is my mom's charm. Cool. Now we're outside of the truck. What's it about me? I don't know. That's the end of the scene. But we separate it by like four other scene cuts. So I was like, what was the point of this? This could have been one coherent scene. We didn't We didn't need to jump away 10 times because no one else is doing anything that's like, but what about them? Like, it's not for tension. It's not for suspense. It's not for like character growth where it's like, they're having this conversation while Abigail's trying to get to the truck herself. Like, there's no crossover. It was just really weird. It was. But when we come out of it, we're at, you know, we're at the base. General Sharma and the vice president are attending this test. The president was invited, couldn't come. That's why the vice president's there. Nice to keep all their on her toes. They chat. I don't care about it. Um, detail I like though they're all in this bunker there's uh, four witches I think outside the bunker in these towers that cover the bunker in a protective bubble right as Rael starts working up her seat down just in case uh, things lift off the ground as Rael's doing her singing I don't know if it was supposed to be like little pebbles or like little mycelium chunks that are just naturally in the ground it wasn't clear anywho things lift up got a cloud the cloud suddenly rushes at the wall and that creates our concussive explosive force and basically obliterates like a 50 foot section of this multi-foot thick cement base wall Shrooms start growing between that destroyed wall and Rael. They're glowing, too. They are glowing. It was really pretty. 
it was very uh like avatar pandora moment where i was like oh all right yeah um cut over to the reception ball for the imperatrix and i literally wrote twat trying to impress tally with his lineage I just said Tally's talking to this random dude. <laughs> yeah, random. Uh, his somebody, grandma, something. I write down. She did a thing. She was cool. She was in a textbook. Tally says, uh, we had different textbooks. Excuse me. I do like that Tally says, we had different textbooks, you know, NorCal. And that actually weirdly tracks because I do have friends from the East Coast who are like, why are your textbooks over here so obsessed with the gold rush and the missions? And it's like, we never learned about that. So like, there is a geographic difference between like textbooks and schools kind of growing up. So like, Tally's excuse was actually like right on point where she was like, we had different textbooks, NorCal. I was like, yeah, she was busy learning about like gold rushes and missions and like organ exploration she didn't have time for your shit (laughs) true that was one thing actually that i loved talking about in college because i went to college in iowa and it was very cool to hey so here's how we learned it how did you guys learn it oh my school was shit about it i can tell you that Oh, my school was good. We learned it this way. Oh, it's different from still how we learned it. But but actually, surprisingly, I really appreciated at least my high school education because they were a little more out there than a lot of the people I met. And I was super appreciative for the fact that it's kind of a shitty town. Yeah. Shitty town, kind of a shitty school system overall, I would say. Like I said, my middle school was crap. Um, But yeah, our high school education was not horrible. Actually, some of our teachers, I think in our high school, were better than some college professors I have Uh, had. I agree. But like, I feel like quite a few of my teachers taught the controversy and stuff like that. I agree. So, which was cool because that doesn't happen as often as I think it needs to. I mean, we were also, like, at least science-wise, in a pretty crunchy science program. Like, natural resources was also pretty, at least slightly political, I guess, because we were talking a lot about, like, global warming and greenhouse gases and, like, plastic waste and everything and, like, you know, how it's real. And that was... at a time, which is still a time where people are like, global global climate change isn't real. Science means nothing. Like, yeah. But also actually in college, um, surprised the heck out of my, I took a Native American studies class and surprised the heck out of my Native American teacher on the knowledge I already had very specifically about the Coloma area but it was mm-hmm. like because we were super obsessed with the gold rush and mission stuff like that I talked to legitimate Native Americans a lot and it stuck with me so like I know for the fact that I can or at least I can recall that like the current nation is a like a Maidu Miwok 
Nissanen. I think there's another one. Conglomeration, because they were all murdered by the Spanish and then by the gold rush. Things like that. America. Yeah. Delightful. But, like, that was drilled into me and taught to respect, and that was, I was also taught that that was a bad thing. We need to get, we need to fix that, so to say. And that was not taught almost anywhere else. Yeah, that's that's very true. Anywho, we digress. Apologize. Taught trying to impress Tally with the lineage. Different textbooks. Um, as she's walking away, as she's walking away, another vision just takes over. So Sergeant Baton, who's the girl from the photo, the redacted soldier, etc. Um, she's crying. Her work was stolen. They're killing themselves. Alder says it had to be done. The screaming, crying in the background. They're in some sort of battle scene. You only ever really see Alder and this person, though, at the moment. Um, Baton says, they had already surrendered. Your heart is black, Sarah. And just walks away from her back into the battlefield. Uh, it turns out her first name is Nicta. Nicta Baton. It's Alder screaming, Nicta! <laughs> Very passionate very weirdly not Alder way. Um, as Tally's coming out of this vision, though, she sinks to the floor, gets a lot of attention. People are worried about her. Yeah, well, she kind of passes out, so. Yeah. Crazy. Cuts over to Tally's now in their room. It appears to be the next morning. Uh, Rael asks what happened. Tally tells her about you know the vision and everything like that. How crazy it felt. Rael tells her about her weapons test. Then that night, notices Abigail's bed still made. Did did she? She must have had a lot of fun at the reception. Uh, she didn't go to the reception, and then very good timing. A storm suddenly pops up outside. Uh, Adele's walking when the storm starts. Abigail is actually trying to recreate gems working. She can't. She puts so much energy into this that she gets lifted off the ground for a little while. Um, you can see, like, her eyes are getting bloodshot as it goes on. Finally, she drops to the ground. Adil catches her. She's coughing up blood. And, uh... End scene. End episode. What a crazy way to end it. I was so kind of weirded surprised that that was the ending i was like oh we're, we're done here okay yeah uh as none of you could see but i don't know nikki noticed um uh, i was literally just double checking my notes because i totally forgot i thought there was more yeah it seems like there should be um there's not like that's that's a good thought there there's not that's just the end of the episode 
this is what I mean by like this episode was fine. You know, some cool stuff happened. A lot of filler happened. We now have the matriarch who's terrifying. Uh, yeah. I I don't know. I'm really uh I'm really scared where they're trying to take this season. Cause I feel like we're trying to really fit a lot in here. But at the same yeah. time, we're not really we're not really going anywhere. Um, they kind of did the same thing for season one. And then I had high hopes for season two, and then now I just don't. So, you know, if I get a little bit more resolution, I think I'll be happy. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm in the habit now of I watch the episode, and then I watch the episode again to actually take notes. Because I just, I can't do it in one single round. Mm -hmm. I can't focus that much. It's just not drawing mm-hmm. honestly and then of course by the time i'm on the second one to actually take notes it feels like pulling teeth i watch it all in one sitting i don't i don't really mind it um i think i just feel like that we don't feel very focused at all like at least in the first season like yeah we weren't super focused but we kind of had like at least a goal, you know, it was kind of like a vibe or a thread. It was like, okay, here's what's happening. It's these three girls trying to learn to work together to become witches while there's this external threat of the spree and this internal threat of Alder. And that's, that's what we're going to work off of. And that's what we did. And then the last episode, they're like, but what if we just like threw it all out and we had the camera up? And I was like, what the fuck is this? And then this season, it's like, yeah, yeah, the camera are still a big deal. People are still upset about the spree. That's still, like, kind of happening, we think. I don't really know. We're not going to go into it. Alder's still a threat, but, like, it's fine now. You know, at least she's not, like, the Camarilla. Scylla uh, is off doing, like, Black Ops missions with Anacostia, who might still be reporting to Fort Salem. Who really knows what she's up to these days? And then also now we have the matriarch who's like really all about blood purity, but that seems okay because Tally's cool with it. It just like all these threats feel like they should be big threats we should be focusing on, but they introduce them and then immediately are like, but it's okay. And I'm like, so what, what's the threat then? Like, what are we working against? Point me in a direction. No, never. (laughs) Like, where do you want me to go with this? I don't know. Especially because I think we did the in-between of Witches of East End, which is, like, much more focused. Which was amazing. Oh, my God. It was so good. I forgot <laughs> how how old shows used to be. Oh, it was how nice. I felt after watching Motherland, I think, going for that. I know, right? What a world we lived in. Yeah, we were spoiled. Like, I think also, though, like, there's still good TV out there today. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not going to be like totally cynical. But unfortunately, we had rises of powers of shows such as Riverdale, Secret Life of the American Teenager, Pretty Little Liars, 
friggin' Sabrina, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, which were all shows that were like, I don't know, what if we just threw everything at the wall with like 10% energy and saw what happened? It's a show, right? Like, look at these hot people. It's a show. And it worked. So now that's like what shows are. And I'm like, this is so lazy. Like, you don't have to be lazy like this. Like, it worked and it shouldn't of. Like, we should all look at that and be like, bad. <laughs> oh, it's. I have nothing to add. It's very disappointing. It's all I could just say as an observer of media. It's like. It's like watching the last season of Game of Thrones again and again. You just get sadder and sadder and sadder. Okay. okay. I never got past season four. So that's that's a good place to stop. I'm not gonna lie. Good job. Yeah, yeah it was yeah. great. Like the internet kept me up on all the major plot points and it was fine. I didn't feel like I missed really anything. No, I think I think you did a good job. I mean a lot of people say arguably like season five is when the show starts to slowly decline. And then by like season six, it's, it's all over. Like, yes, yes. So, you know, you got out early, the rest of us, <laughs> we stuck it out to be stabbed in the back so hard. Anywho, moving on to do today's deep dive. Woo! Let's do some storm magic, rain magic, things to do in these events. Nikki, you want to start us off? Sure. So I know a little bit about storm magic and casting and weather magic and casting. Mostly, um, obviously, storm magic and weather magic are mostly derived by the two elements of air and water. So any spell or casting you're going to be using on that, you're probably going to be wanting to do a manifestation of one of those two. Um, air is usually your biggest go-to just for like wind, clouds, those kind of things. So yellow candles, white candles, if you want to manifest water, blue candles, all excellent. If you're trying to do casting of weather and storms on the coastline, salt's your best friend and seawater is your best friend. So those are great things to look into for any kinds of casting. There are a bunch of glyphs and wards and symbols out there for not only um, storm summoning, but storm breaking, if that's up your alley. So those are stuff that like, obviously it's a verbal medium. I can't really talk much about, but easily to able to look up on the internet and you will find things that you can either carve into your candles or draw into your salt. So, uh, to do storm and weather casting, you can either, well, you can go a lot of ways with it. A lot of storm and weather casters will either try to utilize a pre-existing storm or create or manifest a new storm or disperse or break a current storm. So it's kind of like what, what you want to do, where your angle's at, so and such. If you're trying to utilize a currently happening storm, one of the really cool things you can do is just uh, collect the rainwater from it. So if you do this in an actual storm, this would be thunder and lightning adjacent. The water is seen to be like highly energized and you can use those for, don't recommend, making curses, but also breaking curses. So 
it's kind of that like double pointed sword because it's supposed to be like the fury of a storm type thing yeah so most common uses that i think most effective uses is utilizing a current storm summoning and breaking storms i mean breaking is a little easier than summoning but that's some high tier shit it's not as effective but you know current active storms basically just a battery especially when we get lightning and thunder it's literally a battery so channel that into your spell work yeah and the water can also be used uh for a lot of manifestations so it can be like change in life or anything that you need to have like energy quick results or like kind of a chaos element into that's kind of the water you want to go to um if you're looking to utilize storm magic obviously not as chaotically don't actually use storm water use just rainwater. so no thunder no lightning it's just raining um and this water is seen as much more peaceful if it's a light rain you can use it for like resting and healing spells if it's a just like regular rain you can oftentimes use this for like cleansing and blessing spells if you're caught in a random downpour uh, that rainwater can oftentimes be used for banishing and binding spells because it's seen as like, you know, the heavy protective element on those. So I think that's really cool. And that's actually a kind of like free resource to every witch. You just kind of throw a mason jar out there and <laughs> collect some rain. Obviously, if it's lightning, don't keep the metal cap out there. That's how people get hurt. <laughs> um, yeah. One, so... <laughs> It's not only my favorite thing to do for literally like all types of magic to get in the zone, but it is actually effective and recommended for people besides just me. Um, wanting to use storm energy to focus on other spells, etc. cetera, um, meditate. So storm starts, stay inside because that's safer, but you know, open everything up if you can really meditate, find essentially the heartbeat of the storm, the rhythm of the storm. One with that. And then um, different types of storm, as Nikki were just saying, offer different options. Um, so I think she did very well with the, the rainstorms, like regular rainstorms are good for like purifications and healing releasing negative energies um like beauty of youth spells and stuff like that wind storms heavy storms i guess i'll say um typically i've heard them used with like travel spells and breaking addictions and habits and finding good mental space and keeping that um sending messages throughout planes and on the same plane things like that um snowstorms really good for purifications um matters of the heart uh let's see what else have i pretty sure snowstorms do like renewal stuff too yeah a lot of snowstorms i've seen um are also for like blessings and cleansings 
because it's kind of like the rest period everything is made beautiful under the snow so as a person who formerly lived in california i don't necessarily recommend this but it is technically a thing that you can do because there's so many freaking fires um they do create their own storms they are sort of a storm that's still pretty potent you can try to harness those energies those are i mean fire is good for um you know like protections and banishments and just general general power spells i feel um but yeah that's extra dangerous i think to do that one because if you're close enough to really harness the energies you're probably also close enough to be evacuated very soon yep and you should focus on evacuation safely with whatever valuables you feel you need before anything else um and then of course you know like eclipses storms especially during an eclipse those are very very rare so of course if you can take advantage of that because extra power you know that's all i got um if you are trying to create or break a storm the main element you want to tap into is actually air because storms are really just cloud cover and if you're trying to create it you are trying to force the clouds basically together and to you and if you're trying to dissipate it you're trying to break the cloud cover apart so that's kind of the big thing you want to work on on that i've also heard and seen that a way of helping to manifest creating or breaking a storm is to have like a weather map and use that as what you draw your sigils and glyphs and put your candle on to like basically help display what your intentions are. Uh, another awesome little thing that you can use to summon break or just manifest storms in general is feathers of stormbirds. So if you live in a coastal place where you like get to see a lot of seabirds and stuff, some of them are sometimes also titled storm birds and you know they just like shed feathers and obviously like maybe sanitize them or something and if you're like oh this is really gritty don't look at it um but if you're like one of those people who collects feathers or anything you can pick those up and that's also a free resource same with picking up bits of a nature after storms those can be utilized in your craft as well so you know, there's like a giant storm and a branch from a tree falls down. You can obviously don't go out in a storm to do this. This is like following the time. Um, you can go and like take a branch from the tree and you can utilize that in your craft. And same with if you live by the coast and it's like, oh, these sea glass have washed the store from the storm. You can collect that. So anything that was like nature pieces affected by the storm are really cool and something you can utilize and use as um, tidbits in your crafts for your storm casting. I think that's all I got. Cool beans. Yeah. Thank you. Well, Nikki, which is on the couch? What are you drinking tonight? I am drinking a mint julep. Fancy. I know. I've never had one before. It's pretty good. And I don't really like whiskey, so I was a little shocked by it. 
Uh, but I do like got uh, that cookbook I told you about. It's like the unofficial oh, yes. Disney cookbook. And the virgin model of this is in here. So I just threw in a shot of whiskey and it did its thing. Uh, but I made a nice little mint julep. It's It's been nice to sip on. I think I really like it. I don't know if it would be like a go-to cocktail, but it's nice. It's refreshing. I'm having a good time with it. I'd do it again. Yeah, but, sounds delightful. Yeah, you know, it's fine. What about you, Jade? What are you drinking this week? I stuck with my sparkling waters. I, in full honesty, am having some depressive issues. Mm. Uh, so I am trying really hard to stay off alcohol at the moment um, because that's been a little bit of a problem and that doesn't help depression because, you know, nope. it's a downer. Yep. Um, yeah. So I've just had like I had a lovely uh, peach guava sparkling water. Ooh, nice. And then now I'm just finishing up with a strawberry sparkling water. Well, if you would like the uh, virgin recipe for this mint julep, that's a fun little drink that you can make yourself. Yeah, actually, whiskey is optional. Might. Yeah, it. You know what? I bought the stuff at Rayleigh's. It's very easy to make. Glad to hear it. Even better. Yeah, send it to me. Uh, yeah. So thanks for joining us all. Um, as I've said, you know, hey, down the dumps. If you also feel this way, I'm not suicidal. I will wholeheartedly. I don't get like that. Maybe a little self-harm, but not suicidal. It's okay, though, if you do get suicidal. There are resources out there. It's so hard to talk to people about it. But once you start, it helps. In the long run, trust me, it helps. Um, If you're so deep down that you are contemplating suicide, please do not. Wholeheartedly, do not. It's not the answer. You can call the suicide hotline at 1-800-273-8255. You can now also text a 24-7 crisis hotline at 741-741. You know, I think just text them like help. And that starts the conversation. Um, You can also, I guess, walk into emergency rooms and tell them you're having suicidal ideations. And they can get you checked in and speaking to someone who can help with that. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hopefully Motherland gets better. I I feel like we're such downers in these episodes. Like I said, we we just also did Witches of East End where I feel like we were so full of pep and happiness. And now we're just like so cynical. So hopefully these will improve because I don't know how much our our cynicism is fun to listen to, but hopefully a little. If you want to hear, see more of us for some reason, you can follow us on Instagram where we are witches at the couch. Uh, Same as our podcast title. We mostly just post like fun little witchy things and sometimes random pictures of drinks we make. So that's a fun time there please like like subscribe review whatever you need to do to help other wandering witches find our podcast and thanks for listening to us on this morning evening afternoon night wherever you tend to listen to your podcast these days have a great day you guys bye
Bye.